Better turn that on. That's what she said. It's been a good, like, ten days, if not two weeks, since I actually saw this film. Yeah, it's been a while since I got around to watching it. Uh, bad week. I thought you were going to say you watched it. Credits are rolling as we speak. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I've not had time today. I think I watched it whilst suffering from my uh, my paintballing injury and uh, whilst on quite heavy medication. So I probably enjoyed this film more than I may have if I was sober. Yeah, that's probably fairly likely, actually. <laughs> there are some weird waveforms on this, so I don't know if there's an earthquake going on or something. <laughs> are you just pay- playing the penis waveform game? Uh, not unless the penis I was trying to emulate was a decaying sinusoid. <laughs> Which I'm just going to go ahead and put this out there. Mine is not. <laughs> Today's true fact brought to you by Nathan. An unwelcome and unnecessary true fact. This week's episode of Remedial Nerding, the podcast where three nerds force each other to watch something that they really should have already seen. Your friendly neighbourhood nerds this week are Nathan, Dan, and me, Paul. Remember, there's no such thing as a bad nerd. Hello and welcome to Series 4 of Remedial Nerding, Episode 14. This week it's Lucky Number Slevin, which if nothing else, I now know how to pronounce. I feel like we missed a trick by not doing this on episode 7. <laughs> if it have come to me about 7 months ago, then yeah, I could have changed the order, because it was completely plucked out of my arse. I would like to say that I was wrong, and that this movie did not revolve around a 7 to 11. No, the 7 is completely irrelevant to the plot. It is in fact not even mentioned, they consistently are saying Slevin, which is some guy's name. Also a horse's name, spoilers. Apparently it's an Irish name. True fact number two for this episode for all those listening and playing the true fact drinking game. Questionably true fact, depending on how long ago it was I read Wikipedia. And whether I think it just sounds <laughs> like an Irish name. I was just trying to decide whether or not Dan was going to try and say it in a dodgy Irish accent. No. No, I will Well, not. if it is, we can be confident there's a B and an H in there somewhere, so... <laughs> <laughs> so where do we begin with Slevin? I'm going to kick my playback off because watching uh, Bruce Willis murder someone at one and a half times speed can only be enjoyable. There's a lot of returning characters from this. I say characters, I mean actors. Bruce Willis, you've already mentioned. Yeah, it's definitely an all-star cast. Mm. Bruce Willis, Morgan Freeman, Ben Kingsley, Lucy Liu. No Tom Cruise, sadly. Josh Hartnett. I know the name, but I can't think of anything else I would have seen him in. Pearl Harbor. Oh, (laughs) <laughs> That's a Batman film, isn't it? <laughs> so now I've just got the Pearl Harbor socks almost as much as I miss you. Stuck in my head. Was that directed by Michael Bay, or am I going crazy? It was indeed directed by Michael Bay. That's why it, A, bears no resemblance to the true facts of the story, and B, has lots of fuck-off big explosions. Stanley Tucci. Another big name for this movie. Who is he? Uh, what? The actor or the character? What character did Stanley Tucci play? 
Uh, he was the police officer who used to be an enforcer for a bookie. That's the guy that I thought was Mark Strong, but it's not. The, the American Mark Strong. He is very like Mark Strong. People put on accents. I think there's... Um, it would be a fun list to compose if you had total knowledge of people with the biggest discrepancy between how people think they speak and how they actually speak. Hugh Laurie may well be a high contender on that list. I think that also falls at anyone in the world, because you know, my internal voice does not sound like my external voice as I hear it or how it's recorded. Oh yeah, that, well that's also true. Adele, possibly. But there are quite a lot of people in the production of House that had no idea Hugh Laurie was English until he turned up like an award ceremony as himself. <laughs> so were you saying that you didn't know he was English? Oh, come on, I grew up with... Um, Blackadder. Blackadder, that's the that's one. That's why I was incredulous, <laughs> yeah. Jeeves and Worcester. No, I didn't say I was. Okay. You know, when they were casting for it, he did... It. You know, he sent his audition in, in character, and then turned up on set I in see. character. I like to imagine that Jason Isaacs actually sounds like Lucius Malfoy and is putting on the American accent, but it's probably more likely the opposite way around. Bruce Willis just sounds like Bruce Willis. I'm fairly confident about that. Oh, and Morgan Freeman sounds like Morgan Freeman. If Morgan Freeman in his day-to-day voice sounds like Joe Pesci or something, that'd be tremendous. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm trying to remember what Ben Kingsley sounds like in this. The only other thing I can think of where I recognise Ben Kingsley's voice is Iron Man 3, where it's... Uh, the Mandarin. Not really his voice. Yeah, the, the Mandarin. Or he's a bit of a cotton geezer, depending on which part of the film you're talking about. Anyway, we're not talking we're not we're here to talk, talk about those films. We're talk about Lucky Number Slevin. That starts off with, what was it, a Kansas City shuffle? Yeah. Which is basically, I'm going to talk at you to really distract you until I can get close enough to snap your neck. And then I'm going to make you look left. Sorry, uh, <laughs> completely irrelevant. I've been distracted looking at Morgan Freeman's IMDb. And it appears that his first credited film appearance is in... Oh, it's not. I was going to say it's in Blade. <laughs> and no, I'm not being racist. I know that's Wesley Snipes. But he, Morgan Freeman was in a 1973 film called Blade. The poster for which <laughs> appears to be in Italian. Anyway, the reason I brought that up is that Morgan Freeman appears in this as a old gangster. And at one point later in the film, there is a flashback to like 30 years previous, or 20 years previous. But he is not shown at that point, presumably because they couldn't find anyone who looks like Morgan Freeman but 20 years <laughs> younger. <laughs> now, I'm trying to remember when this film came out with respect to things like, oh, Lockstock. And I'm trying to think what other films. This is the trouble with watching it a week ago. There was quite a few films I thought, ah, oh, that seems a bit derivative is probably the word I was looking for. Well, there's a kind of a, a string of gangster movies I guess with the Guy Ritchies and yeah I guess a lot of people in the decades after Pulp Fiction probably yeah like someone gets himself into the shit with the mob and then has to get himself back out by getting deeper in mm. I don't, that's not what I took from this movie because the, the kid wasn't in with the mob and the was it Mr. Cat was getting out of work in New York. 2006, this film was. Yeah. Morgan Freeman plays a character called The Boss. Ben Kingsley plays a character called The Rabbi. With the son called The Fairy, because he's gay. And The Rabbi is called The Rabbi because he's a rabbi. And so the basic idea of the film is that this um, guy, Slevin, is 
through a wacky case of mistaken identity, ex- uh, blackmailed into joining in their gang war. Um, but the twist is, turns out, he engineered the whole thing because he's actually an assassin and he's there to kill them both for revenge. Yeah, because they killed his mum and dad. Because his dad bet on a sure thing that wasn't a sure thing and he was in for a lot of money with the wrong people. Yeah, the boss and the rabbi. I can give you the thing I like most about this and the thing I like least about this, just based on that summary. Children in peril. <laughs> Actually, no. That wasn't on my top list. But kind of. I mean, that that child was proper in peril. It was proper in peril in the kind of dig a hole and stand in front of it way. Yeah. <laughs> no, the thing I liked most about it was related to our um, conversation just then of why is he called the rabbi? Because he's a rabbi. There's People ask that four or five different times. And I found that joke funnier each time. <laughs> it was just like, well, I thought he was the boss. Why do you think he was the boss? Well, because he looks like the boss. Well, I'm the boss. He's not the boss. It's all the things that never normally go into dialogue because they're, it's the way people actually speak, but it's terrible. But in this film, it's done enough that it goes back around to being funny. It's kind of the opposite of how the Cone brothers operate, <laughs> where the dialogue is exaggeratedly artificial. But the thing I like least about it is that it is a story where we're meant to have sympathy for the main character because his family were randomly murdered. Except that he randomly murders seven or eight different people, many of whom have nothing particular to do with it. They were all bad people. What about the first guy whose murder we see in the opening cold open? Nick Fisher. He was a crooked... He lost some money. Just like in for a lot of money with bad people, and I, he was probably the only genuine victim. Yeah, he is literally exactly like the father in the opening scene, whose suffering is meant to be the big genesis of this whole plot. I'm sure that <laughs> he's done some bad shit. Roughly the point at which I realised what the twist was, I stopped caring about the main characters. As soon as you realised that Slevin was the kid. It, it, like I say, it took me a long time to make the connection. Yeah, I don't think I spotted it. I, I hadn't read anything about it. I hadn't seen it before. See, I think I had seen it before, but I think it was just in that zone long enough ago that I don't remember it, but recently enough or well-remembered enough that things like, that looks like an extremely familiar bus station to me. See, I didn't realise it was a bus station for ages. I thought, they've really cheaped out on this airline or this airport. I thought Set, it was an yeah, airport. Just putting white cling film over the windows. Like, I did not remember that Bruce Willis was an assassin, even though that's revealed in the cold open. So I think I did a good job of spotting what was happening, but maybe I was just remembering what was happening. If anything, I may have overread it, because there's a scene partway through where Slevin, at the stage where we think he's still randomly being drawn into something, um, is having a romance subplot with one of his neighbours. That whole romance subplot just seems incredibly tacked on. I, I I thought it kind of worked. I think it's integral to the film, but it is a radical gear shift of tone and then back again. I think it helps normalise Slevin as this guy that's just caught in the wrong place at the wrong time. Yeah, except he's not, though. But I think that her buying it sells it to the audience. 
Oh, so you think the false narrative they give us the first half, where we're meant to think that his name is Slevin Kalevra, and he is just a pal of Nick Fisher, the guy they actually yeah. murdered to create this opening. So you need a, an audience surrogate to believe it. Yeah. And that is exactly what she is. That makes sense. She's also an extremely charming Lucy Liu, so that helps. The one thing I did quite appreciate was that the uh, the bosses and um, the rabbis, like secret criminal layers, are literally on opposite sides of the road to each other in almost identical looking buildings. I had totally forgot most of the things that Morgan Freeman's been in. <laughs> Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Ah, the painted man. I'm going to have to have a look now as well. It's kind of weird, because if you scroll back any further than Driving Miss Daisy in 1989, it's basically TV movies and straight-to-videos. I'm now busy trying to Google why Nick Fisher had to die. Because I'm sure he was a bad guy. (laughs) I'm sure he did other shit. Why do they come to me to die? Why do they come to me to die? I want to make a whole prequel now that's just about the American beauty style, the tragic last days of Nick Fisher. (laughs) Morgan Freeman's filmography is not as long as I was expecting it to be. Morgan Freeman. No, this is a great thing because he's started trying to become an actor at kind of the age of 45 and then spent another 10 or 15 years basically not getting anything. So he's done loads of amazing work, but only in the last 20 years. Oh, God, I'm so tired. (laughs) Now, is this because we haven't watched it in a week? At least two of us are sleep deprived. I'm actually currently re-watching Lucky Number 7 and it's just as enjoyable one and a half times. So I'm watching it. I, I didn't. I didn't enjoy it. I don't think it's a bad film, but should we throw straight ahead to ratings now? Because I've got a feeling we've got a wide range. I would put this uh, a six point five. Oh really? Okay. I thought you were going to say eight or nine. No, it's it's a good film. It's well acted. It's pretty solid, but it is it's a hedgehog film. It, it's right smack bang in the middle of the road. <laughs> yeah, I was going to give it five, five and a half. It's not a bad film. No. You know, it's quite well acted. I just just didn't enjoy the storyline that much. It's just like, yeah, I found it a little bit difficult to get my head around what was going early on. And then by the time it was all explained, I didn't really care. I, I enjoyed the reveal and the explanation. And... I liked how you you fell into the story uh, with Slevin and the whole mix-up with Nick. And it was easy. It wasn't difficult to keep track of the two people that were wanting him to do shit because they thought he was Nick Fisher. But it it was a... It's not a difficult story to follow, but it's not the most imaginative and inventive. It is an everyday story. Well, I think that's what I meant earlier when it was derivative it just reminded me of things like Lockstock and snatch and um pop fiction it's just that kind of film it wasn't anything particularly original about it i thought pop fiction was a big um, influence because when i was talking earlier about the exaggeratedly normal conversation that's also something that was 
ahead of its time in Pulp Fiction, in that they would spend an entire scene talking about cheeseburgers. <laughs> and somehow make that memorable. Mac. Royale with cheese, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I... Don't know, I didn't go to Burger King. I was going to give it a 7, on the grounds that it's actually... While you're watching it, it's very charming. The characters are personable. But I also had the same problem. Well, I had the different problem that I thought, wait, so we're just watching someone hit someone back. Yeah. I mean, if if he is best mates with you know, Mr. Assassin, surely if he just wanted them dead, he could go, just go and kill them. Yeah, all right. Bruce Willis goes and does the job, comes back and says, yeah, they're dead. Cheers. That's it. Five minutes, done. Film complete. I spent a lot of the first half of the film thinking, why doesn't he say X? And then the second half was like, oh, that's why he didn't say X. It did explain a lot there, yeah, but he didn't really try that hard to, to convince him that he wasn't mm. uh, Nick. I think I would watch it again. I have, I'm concerned because I feel like I've given it too hard a time. I think I say this a lot. <laughs> it's just that all the things that I don't like about it are easy to describe. I wouldn't go, oh, lucky number 11 and turn it off. I'd just leave it on. But it's also not the sort of thing that I would go out of my way to watch. Yeah, it's not a movie I'd go and buy on Blu-ray. Well, that's true of all the films we've got, but that's because I don't have any means of playing (laughs) (laughs) Blu-rays. I don't know, maybe this laptop can. I don't know. I don't even know if it has a slot for them. Okay, I wouldn't take out a Netflix subscription (laughs) just to watch this film. (laughs) I might watch it on a 30-day free trial. You mean Star Trek Discovery dot com? <laughs> <laughs> That's not completely true. I'll use it for Peppa Pig. <laughs> My recommendations are messed up. <laughs> That's why it has a kids setting. Yeah, I do actually use that just for the jokes. God damn it, Dan! <laughs> Let, letting truth get in the way of a good story. I use the kids settings to hide all the programs I don't want the other half knowing that I'm watching because they're embarrassing. But, now your yeah. recommendations are really. I want not porn. <laughs> it's a sad sign of age that I now mostly use incognito mode to read the New York Times and the Economist because I've got a page view limit, and sometimes I want to read more about Turkey than they want me to. <laughs> ah, does that so incognito mode stops from tracking you? Yeah. Ah, that's interesting. That's it. The secret is now out. That's That's not what I use incognito mode for. (laughs) I mean, it's probably a violation of terms of service or something, but in the scale of dubiously moral things people do with incognito mode, I feel like I'm on the top end of half of the spectrum. Everybody hates a paywall. Nathan's name has now been added to a register somewhere. (laughs) Is this all in New York, or is it in just kind of generic city? I, I think it's actually New York. It is New York, yeah. Because I think Good Cat references that he, he stopped working in New York like 20 years ago and hadn't been back. I do quite like the way that um, Slevin keeps getting punched in the face. <laughs> like where he gets mugged three times. Well, mugged once and then kidnapped twice. And punched in the face each time. A lot of people make a lot of terrible decisions in this film. I mean, starting with the extravagantly 70s dad who decides to bet the house on a horse. That then has a steroid-induced heart attack on the track, or something. Yeah, that's a terrible decision. I would argue as a fairly big um, faux pas on the part of the gangsters who decide, instead of collecting this, we're just going to murder most of the people involved. 
Yeah, but they're using him to set an example, aren't they? Yes, but I feel like the guy had to sell his house to pay back his debt would also have been a fairly good example. Yeah, but it's definitely a, a bigger example. If people think, oh, all I've got to do is sell my house, that's fine. I'll risk it rather than, oh my god, uh, I'm going to die and everyone I love, uh, or maybe not. I don't know, maybe the moral here is just that I'm not cut out for the gangstering lifestyle. To be fair, when I took the career aptitude test, it did come out pretty low. <laughs> it all depends on which answers on the goat that you well, you go with. Do you say answers on the goat? On the goat? Yeah. <laughs> is this a... It's a Fallout 3 reference. Is this a divergent thing? You give cheese to the goat or you attack the goat? Oh, what does it stand for? Like I can't remember. Greatest of all time? Generalised Occupational Aptitude Test. Yeah, or there we go. the goat. It's basically, let's tell us what, let's decide what class you are based on your answer to these uh, questions. For example, question one. You are approached by a frenzied vault scientist who yells, I'm going to put my quantum harmonizer in your photonic resonating chamber. What's your response? Number one. But doctor, wouldn't that cause a parabolic destabilization of the fission singularity? Two. Yeah, up yours too, buddy. Three. Say nothing, grab a nearby pipe and hit the scientist on the head to knock him out. For all you knew, he was planning to blow up the vault. Or four, say nothing, but slip away before the scientist continue his, can continue his rant. And it carries on in that vein. Also things like, congratulations, you made one of the Vault 101 baseball teams. Which position do you prefer? Pitcher, catcher, designated hitter, none, you wish the Vault had a soccer team. There's a little bit like in Oblivion where there's a long story about American football that I suspect might be a metaphor for humanity or something, but I don't know enough about football positions to judge. (laughs) There's a a rejigged version of the goat in Fallout 4, um, a town called um, Covenant, and it's called the Safe Test, and it's to distinguish humans from synthetics. But that is on a total tangent. I think like if there was a drinking game of this podcast, it would be for each logical leap that goes further away from the topic rather than closer. <laughs> I think we're definitely on a kind of multi-ball there. I don't know what the combo break is. Why do we find it so hard to talk about this film? I think it falls into that category where we'd like this film. There isn't anything overly bad about it. We've described what we don't like about it. And that's it. It's a popcorn film. Yeah, it's because it was a week ago and it's not the kind of film you remember a week later. I mean, Ben Ben Kingsley put in a good performance. No. Josh Hartley put in a decent performance. Morgan Freeman put in a good performance. All the big names put in good performances. I mean, it is genuinely the case that this film reminded me of The Yiddish Policeman's Union, a book I read in a bus shelter 10 or maybe 12 years ago and I have thought more about that as a result of being reminded about it by this film than I've thought about this film <sighs> thoroughly recommend that by the way Yiddish Policeman's Union Michael Shamborn I was probably <laughs> mispronouncing his name it's actually pronounced Sullivan as in the Michael Gambon that the last corner of the Top Gear test track was named after or a different person I'm not even sure if you said back the same name to me because I was temporarily distracted thinking about alternate <laughs> history novels. <laughs> also, I think it was something about motorsport, and that also sounds like white noise to me. 
<laughs> to be fair, motorsport sounds like most white noise to most people. <laughs> to others, it's just meow. I always used to like to say that I would enjoy Formula One more if they were requ- required to use only second-hand cars. But the problem is that that format of racing does exist, and I'm not interested in it either. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say that that does exist, but you were aware of that fact. Should we talk about next week, or two weeks' time? So how long have we actually been recording? Like 20 minutes? Uh, 33 minutes, of which I think about 30 minutes has been silence. <laughs> ben Kingsley's in the next film as well, apparently. I learned that while I was idly browsing IMDb while not thinking of things to say. Oh, is he? I didn't realise that. Which brings so, us to the question, Paul. What are we watching for next time? It's in two weeks' time, not weekly anymore. Let's just say next time. I'm going to choose to watch it the day before we record. Yes, I will wait till closer to the recording <laughs> Also, time based on the summary, I'm going to avoid watching it as long as possible, because I don't think I'm going to like this one. Before we go any further, we are going to be watching Shutter Island, about all of which I know is that it's got Leonardo DiCaprio in it. Leonardo DiCaprio in somewhere dark. It does not have a spinning top. Ah, yeah, but that doesn't mean it's not one of the many multi-layers of Inception. This is where it got lost. I've seen Shutter Island before. I enjoyed Shutter Island. And it will be very interesting to go back and watch it knowing what I know. I've never seen it. I've vaguely got the idea that it's scary and possibly there are clones involved. Although I think that only last part, I've only really thought that because I know that we're doing a twists season. I, I think you're thinking of the wrong island. You're thinking of the one with Ewan McGregor in it, where he is a clone that's being used to be farmed for body parts for his originator. Which is also quite a good film. Which is the island, is it not? Yeah. Isn't that like from the 70s and in a Welsh village? No. I filmed in a Welsh village. <laughs> what am I thinking of then? The Prisoner? I'm not sure. Oh, yes, The Prisoner. The Prisoner. Okay. I'm not a number, I'm a free man. That's the one. <laughs> Some kind of giant white ball floating. I thought it was called The Island. I don't know why. <laughs> We're just going to start left to list off films. The blank. <laughs> Single word nouns with a definite article. All basically the same film. So, Sleven, a middle-of-the-road popcorn film that you can watch without having to watch too closely as the big reveal is right at the end and everything is explained and tied up in a nice little knot, except for why Nick Fisher had to die and, no, was he actually a bad guy? Because everyone's a werewolf, it's the Mad Max problem. (laughs) 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 But it's actually kind of fun to watch, unlike Mad Max. Brackets, unlike the first Mad Max, I like all the others. That's it for this week, peeps. Tune in next time for more remedial nerding.